One evening, Malik bin Ninar, who was one of the awliya, was in his home performing his tahajjud salah. He was an ascetic person. He didn't have much inclination towards the dunya. And he didn't possess much. So while he was engaged in the tahajjud salah, a thief scaled the wall and broke into his house. Malik, while performing salah, realized that there's someone in the home. So he shortened his salah. The thief coming to the home very quickly realized that there's not much in this home for me to steal. So he wanted to leave the home. But at that moment, Malik had already made his salam. So he called him. And he said to him that, I guess you're disappointed at what you see in this home. I know what you've come for. So the thief is excessively embarrassed by what has happened and how he's been caught out. He remains silent. Then Malik tells him, that, look, I know what you came for, but I want to give you something in return, something better. So he then goes to his next door room and he brings some water. And he tells the thief, now make wudu. And then Malik performs two rakat salah and he tells the thief that perform salah with me. And the thief performs salah with Malik. After they make salam, Malik tells the thief, now you're free to go. He says, now I want to stay with you. He says, you're free to stay with me, stay with me. So he stays with him. And he performs another two rakats and another two rakats till the break of dawn. Then as the sun rises, Malik tells him, now you're free to go. He says, now I made the intention to fast today, so I'm going to stay here. And he stays one or two or three days. And after a few days, fasting those days, he eventually decides to leave. One of his friends who knew that this was also a fellow thief said that, you know, knew he was looking for some big loot, some treasure and going from home to home. So he met his friend, the thief who broke into the home of Malik. And he asked him that, you know, you've been looking for your big loot, your treasure. Have you found your treasure? So he says, you know, I broke into the home of Malik. And what I gained was something greater than any treasure this world can offer me. I went in the home wanting to steal from him, but he stole my heart. And then he changed his life from that moment onwards. The point of reference is the hadith of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in which Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, There are moments when the winds of the mercy of Allah blow. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, You need to present yourself when the winds of the mercy of Allah are blowing. And those are the occasions that we need to look for. And inspiration can come anywhere, anytime. And that is what we need. That when the thought comes in our heart, when there's a change in our heart, then we need to seize that moment. Because at the core of everything is our heart. And the heart's condition changes all the time. The Arabic poet says, 
فَحْضُرْ مِنَ الْقَلْبِ عَلَىٰ قَلْبٍ وَتَقْلِيبٍ That the condition of the heart is always changing. And you may feel that you're on the right path, but you could change off that path. You may be on a particular path that Allah can bring you to a greater path. And the hadith, it comes that the Messenger said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَنْظُرُ إِلَىٰ سُوَرِكُمْ وَلَا إِلَىٰ جِسَابِكُمْ Allah does not look at your outer form or your body. وَلَكِنْ يَنْظُرُ إِلَىٰ قُلُوبِكُمْ وَأَعْمَالِكُمْ What does Allah look at? Allah looks at your heart and your actions. إِنَّ فِي الْجَسَدِ لَمُضْغَةِ Indeed in the heart, in the body, there is a lump of flesh. إِذَا صَلُحَتْ صَلُحَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ If that is in order, then the entire body will be in order. وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ And if that becomes corrupt, if that is spoilt, then the entire body is spoilt. So the condition of our heart can change for the positive and the negative in moments. And said Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, Ummul Mu'mineen, she says, I used to hear Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam make the dua abundantly. Ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qulubi ala deenik. Ya musarrif al-qulub, sarrif qulubana ala taatik. Oh, the turn of the hearts, keep my heart steadfast on your deen. Oh, the control of the hearts, turn my heart to your obedience. So said Aisha says, I was intrigued. But why does Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Make this dua so often. Abundantly he was making this dua. Kathiran. She asked Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the owner of Allah, that I hear you making this dua. Ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qulubina ala deenik. Why do you make this dua so often? And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Inna quluba bani Adam, bayna isba'in min asabi'in rahman, yuqallibuha kayfa yasha. The hearts of the entire mankind, are between the fingers of Allah, He changes their condition as He wishes. And therefore, Nabi Wasallam continuously made dua, teaching us that we need to make effort on our heart. Now, when we look at the verses of the Noble Quran, and we look at the ahadith of the Messenger Wasallam, then we find that there are references to different types of hearts. In the verses of the Quran, Allah refers to a dead heart. إِنَّمَا يَسْتَجِيبُ الَّذِينَ يَسْمَعُونَ وَالْمَوْتَى يَبْعَثُهُمُ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ يُرْجَعُونَ Allah Rabbi Al-Izzah tells Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, The Nabi of Allah, يَسْتَجِيب Those will respond to you. Those who listen attentively. وَالْمَوْتَى And the dead, يَبْعَثُهُمُ اللَّهُ Allah will resurrect them. But what is being referred to here is not just a dead person, but a person whose heart is dead is being referred to in this verse of the Noble Quran. Inna kalatusmiul mauta. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is being told that, O Nabi Allah, no matter how much effort you make, how eloquently you present it, al mauta, the dead, you'll never be able to make them hear. You'll never be able to let the message penetrate in their heart. Because they are dead. Their hearts are dead. And the dead heart, Allah Ibn Qayyim says, that the dead heart 
is the heart that doesn't have belief in Allah, that has commits uh, shirk. That is the heart that is being referred to. Like dry planks. They are like animals. Nay, they are worse than animals. They are like wild donkeys. Allah refers to this category of people. Those who have dead hearts. And the ulama say that one of the things that kill the heart is when we are not particular about what we consume. That when wealth has come, what we're consuming is haram. Or it has come from a haram source linked to riba, linked to bribery, linked to corruption. Those are the things that kill our heart. So that is the first heart that we need to be aware of. And we need to be cognizant that we do not fall in that category. The second heart that is spoken about in the verses of the Noble Quran and the Hadith is the heart in which there is a sickness. Allah Rabbul Izzah says, Fi marad. There's a sickness in the heart. Marada. And because of their persistence in the action, Allah has perpetuated the sickness. They continue to degenerate in the sickness. And what is the sickness? Hypocrisy. All the melodies of the heart. Doing things for show and ostentation. Showing off for others. Fearing other than Allah. That is all the sickness of the heart. On one occasion, Izzuddin Abdus Salam was a great scholar. And he was brought before a tyrannical king. And he spoke in a very confident manner. So people asked him that, you know, why is, how was it possible that despite everybody knowing about the reputation of the king, yet you seemed unperturbed and very confident in how you presented yourself? What was it? He says, as I stood before him, I pictured the grandeur of Allah. And when I looked at him, he appeared weaker than a kitten in my eyes. So not having the true understanding of the sifat and the attributes of Allah and not having the greatness of Allah in our heart, that is a heart that is sick. A heart that is mariz, the second type of a heart. Then the third type of a heart which we see in the verses of the Noble Quran, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْقَاسِيَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ Woe! To those whose hearts have become hard. Why when our punishment came upon them, they did not turn to us in supplication and in tawbah and repentance. The problem is their hearts have become hardened. That is why they do not turn. And often we find that, you know, People will say that it's the 15th of Shaban, it's Ramadan, I'm reading Quran, I'm fasting, but I don't feel anything. In my Salah, you know, I just don't feel that spirituality. My mind is wondering, why is it? Because our hearts have become hardened. And that is why we're inattentive. 
because of the various things that cause our hearts to become hardened. The first thing that causes a heart to become hardened is undoubtedly sin. In a hadith it is stated, When a person commits a sin, then one black dot comes on his heart. If he makes tawbah and repents, then that dot is removed. But if he repeats the sin, then another dot, and another dot, and another dot, and another dot, eventually the entire heart becomes black. Allah says, nay, their hearts have been engulfed with the rust. And then they say, just nothing can move me. I don't feel anything because of sin. And we know that on this great night of Laylatun Nisfim Min Sha'ban, there is general amnesty from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why it's called Laylatul Bara'ah, the night of freedom. Because Nabi Sallallahu said that on this night, Allah Rabbul is the freeze from Jahannam more than the sheep, the hair of the sheep of the Banu Kalb tribe. Because they had lots and lots of sheep. But there are certain people that are deprived on this night. The mushrik. One who ascribes partners with Allah. Inna Allah la yalfiru ayushraka bihi. Wa yalfiru ma duna dhalika liman yasha. Allah will not forgive a person who commits shirk. We know the major form of shirk to ascribe partners with Allah. But the minor form. Man salla yura'iyah. Whoever does anything for ostentation to show others, to get the praise of others, when the camera is there and the lights is on, then this person or this company is willing to do the donation and to uh, you know, make a, a contribution because of the mileage that you're going to get from this. Is it for the sake of Allah or is it an exchange, a bartering? Is that what charity work has become? So those who are Ascribe partners with Allah. The person who has malice in his heart. And that is why we find people tend to ask maaf on the night. Say, make me maaf for all that we've done. But does one's message send, being sent, is that good enough to really ask maaf? It is about how we live our lives. And the fact that Nabi Wasallam told Sayyidina Anas that إِذَا asbahta wa إِذَا amsaita. If you're able to wake up in the morning or enter into the evening in such a way, and you in such a way that there's no malice in your heart for anyone, then do that. Because this is my sunnah. And whoever follows my sunnah will be with me in Jannah. This is a sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, to cleanse your heart from malice. And when you do that, you actually do yourself a favor because you lighten your own burdens. Because if there's someone that you had a fight with because of the parking or because of this one blocked me or that one said something, now you see the person, you've got to dodge him. That he's walking, I need to walk faster, I need to walk slower, I need to avoid him. You know, I can't go that way because that person is coming there. So how much inconvenience, how much trouble you're carrying in your heart for the rest of your life as when you forgive, when you ask for maaf, when you mend ways, you lift the burden of your life. Then furthermore, the person who wears his pants below his ankles, the one who murders a person unjustly, 
The person who commits zina, la yazni zanin wa huwa mu'min. When a person commits zina, iman leaves that person's body and hovers above his body. Allahu Akbar. If death comes in that condition, what is? Where does a person remain? And then only when the person completes the action that the iman comes back. And amongst those that are not forgiven on this day is the person who has cut family ties and who is disobedient to his parents. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, amongst the signs of Qiyamah is a man will listen to his wife and disobey his mother. He will keep his friends close and he'll have no time for his father. Keep his friends close. It's a boy's weekend. It's a golfing trip. It's a fishing trip. It's this and that and no time for his parents. Very often when we have problems in our life, then we want to go to a mulana, some wali and say, make dua for us. We need your duas. When you meet people, you say, make dua, make dua. But I can tell you with guarantee that when you go and ask someone for dua, that is in its place. But if you serve your parents in such a way that you don't have to ask them for dua, they give you du'as from their heart, then that is more powerful than going to any buzuruk to ask for du'as. Because there's one thing to ask someone for du'as, and there's one thing to receive du'as. When someone, without you asking, they are so happy with the khidmat that you've done, the way you treat them, the way you interact with them, that naturally, spontaneously, from their heart, du'as emanate for you then your dunya is made and your akhirat is made. Then you've got the best of this dunya and the best of the akhirat. And that is the reminder for us on this day that we need to reassess how we can gain the du'as of our parents. So sin is such that it takes us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it take, creates problems in every facet of our lives. So that is one of the things that causes the hardness of the heart. Another thing that causes our heart to become hard, that we become unaffected by anything that happens around us, is because of what is referred to in a hadith as Tulul Amal, having long aspirations with regards to the dunya. That the more we get engrossed in the dunya, and the more we become engulfed in it, then it has an impact on our hearts. There was once a king of the past. Despite him having all the resources of his kingdom at his disposal, he was very grumpy and gloomy and miserable. But he couldn't figure out, you know, why is he such a grumpy and gloomy and miserable man? And one day, it struck him that, you know, the janitor, the ordinary servant in his court, seems to be such a jovial person. He has a bounce in his step. When he walks, he has a swing in his walk. He's always 
singing and uh, you know mumbling something to himself and there's a smile on his face and he thought to himself that look where I am what I have this man has nothing yet if you look at him and you compare me then he's way better off than me how is that possible but so he asked him that you know what makes you so happy I'm a simple man I need a roof over my head and I need to feed my children and I have that so my needs are taken care of so I'm happy with my lot in life and therefore I continue my life like this so the king listened to what he's saying but it didn't make sense to him that now how do I benefit from this so how do I make a change that will uplift me so then he called one of his confidants and he said to him that look this is what I spoke to him look at him look at me how do we make sense of this I have so much he has nothing yet I'm so unhappy he's so happy so this king's confidant said to him look what we're gonna do is we're gonna do an experiment I'll, everything will come to light for you tonight I want you to dress up in a disguise and bring a bag with 99 gold coins in it and then you do as I say, and you'll understand everything. So at the appointed time, the king comes with his bag with 99 gold coins. He meets his confidant, and they go to the home of the servant. And they knock on the door, and they leave the bag there, and they go in the distance where they can't be seen, and they hide. And the confidant says to the king, now watch, what's going to happen? So the servant comes open the door he looks he sees the bag he realized according to the norm of the time that if someone puts something by your door they want to give you a gift so this is a gift to him so it's a gift he opens the bag and he sees gold coins and he says so many gold coins and he's smiling and beaming then he thinks that there's so much here, but let me count how many there are. So he counts 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Thinks, I made a mistake, I missed one out. Counts it again. 96, 97, 98, 99. Something wrong. So he calls his family, just come help me count here. There seems to be something wrong here. So they come. And they start, they count. He said, no, it's 99. So he then tells them that, okay, let's move around here and see that the person who brought this bag, maybe he dropped the one coin somewhere here. So if we just walk around and look, then we'll find that one. So his family members start looking. But they know of him to be a very jovial person, so they don't take it too serious. And they're looking in the normal with their banter in it. And he's getting annoyed. What are you people laughing and joking here? It's a serious matter. We need to look for it. And there's a change coming in him. And he looks and he looks. And as he's looking, he's becoming more frustrated. Eventually, he reaches the point to say, it's 99. That's how it is. Then he thinks to himself that, now what are we going to do? I need to start working harder and perhaps if I work harder then 
I will be able to save some money and then I'll be able to purchase that one more to make it 100. So the next day when he reports for duty, he's walking very solemnly with his mind working, where am I going to get that one? Where am I going to get that one? And now he comes into the court of the king, but he's no longer singing and he's no longer smiling because he's preoccupied. One gold coin, what will I do? What can service can I render? Where can I make some money? So the king immediately noticed the difference. And then he goes by. And then the confidant comes to the king and he says, Did you notice something? He says, Yes. He says, What did you notice? So the king says, I noticed that today he wasn't singing, he didn't have that bounce in his step, he wasn't his usual jovial self. What has happened? So the confidant tells the king that today he's joined the 99 club. Free membership. Those who have enough to take care of their needs, but the preoccupation in trying to get what they don't have robs them of enjoying what they do have. They have enough to fulfill their needs, but so occupied with what they don't have that they are unable to enjoy what they have now. If you want to be in your fam, in your children's memories tomorrow, you have to be in their lives today. And the time goes so fast. The moment you have today, you won't know when's the last time you were able to pick up your child and throw him or her into the air. But there will be a last time. You won't know when was the last time when the toddler will come to the bed and sleep with you. But there will be a last time. And the years will pass by. And everything else, there will be a recompense. But there will be no recompense for those years you've missed in your own preoccupation when the years have passed by. So that is what hardens our heart. That when we become preoccupied excessively with the dunya, as, as outlined, Tulul Amal. And the third thing that hardens our heart is the constant desire for entertainment. We live in a TikTok era where people want to be entertained every moment. They need a constant stimulation. And, the, you know, before they used to say that uh, the average span of people is eight minutes. Now that is even reduced to one or two minutes. And people need to be stimulated one video to the next, to the next, to the next. And an hour is gone and they've seen about 60, 70 videos. Now, this constant desire to be entertained, that is also what is preoccupying us and causing the hardness of the heart. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ مَا أَعْلَمُوا لَذَحِكْتُمْ قَلِيلًا وَلَبَكَيْتُمْ كَثِيرًا If you knew what I knew, you would laugh little and you would cry abundantly. If you knew what I knew, then you would laugh little and you would cry abundantly. So, sometimes we need to disconnect, unwind, put the gadgets aside 
And they say that you should check your heart in three conditions. When you hear the noble Quran, when you engage in zikr, and when you're alone. What is the condition of your heart under those circumstances? What is the thoughts that occupy yourself? You know, in uh, psychology, they have this concept of dumping. So what they call it, mind dumping. That sometimes you must just sit down with a pen and a paper, or even if you type, and just type out whatever is on your mind. Any thoughts, sit in quiet and start writing whatever comes. And then just continue writing, 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 writing. And then after a while, go back and look. And you think, no, that is just what was troubling me today. But that is what is on your mind. That is who you are. And it will be an open eye-opener for us. So, the third type of a heart is a hard heart. And we've outlined the things that cause our heart to be a hard heart. And the fourth type of heart, and the final one that we want to focus on, and we want to elaborate on, is qalbun raqiqun, a soft heart. Qalbun salim, a sound heart, which Allah Rabbul Izzah says, يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَالُوا وَلَا بَنُونَ إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ On the day of Qiyamah, no money, no family members will assist you. The only thing will help you is to come with qalbun salim, a sound heart, a soft heart, a heart that is easily moved. A heart that is responsive. A heart that is attentive. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, three people will enter into Jannah. A just ruler, a person who is generous, and the man who has a soft heart. On one occasion, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was sitting with his grandchildren. Sayyidina Hassan and Sayyidina Hussain, radiallahu ta'ala anhum. And he picked up Sayyidina Hassan and he gave him a kiss. So Akra ibn Habis radiallahu anhu was a Sahabi, he was a Bedouin. And he saw this and he found it strange. And he said to Nabi Sallallahu that you kiss the child. I have 10 children. I've never kissed one of them. So Nabi Sallallahu said, what can I do if Allah has given you a hard heart? Man la yarham la yurham. That person who does not show mercy, mercy will not be shown to that person. So, a responsive, a soft heart is what we desire and what we need to work to. So how do we soften our heart? And how do we get a responsive heart? So the first thing that we need to work on is our recognition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because when a person recognizes Allah, that is when a person will have a heart that is responsive to the verses of the Noble Quran, a heart that is easily moved. One day Nabi Sallallahu came into the masjid and Sayyidina Harith radiallahu ta'ala anhu was lying down in the masjid. And Nabi Sallallahu then addressed him and said to him, Kayfa asbahta ya Haritha? How has your morning passed, O Haritha? So he said, Asbahtu mu'minan haqqa. Oh Nabi Allah, I've passed the morning as a genuine believer. So Nabi Sallallahu said, Inna li kulli qawli al-haqiqa. 
وَمَا حَقِيقَةُ قَوْلِكَ That if you say you are a genuine Muslim, then how do you substantiate that awharitha? There must be a proof for what you're saying. It's a bold claim that you're saying, I woke up in the morning and I spend the morning as a genuine believer. So Sayyidina Haritha radiallahu anhu said, O Nabi of Allah, I spent the morning, the early parts of the morning awake in the Tahajjud Salah and my days in fasting. And I find my heart disinclined to the dunya. And I pass the night in such a way that it is as though I am looking at the Arsh of Allah. And I can see the people of Jannah going to visit one another. And the people of Jahannam barking like dogs. Nabi said to Haritha radiallahu anhu, that, O Haritha, Anta imru'un, nawwar Allahu qalbak. You such a man, Allah has enlightened your heart. And then Nabi Sallallahu said, Arafta, you have recognized Allah, Falzam, now remain steadfast. So we need to attain that recognition of Allah. One day Nabi Sallallahu heard a Bedouin praising Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So he called him and he gave him a gift of gold and silver. And then he asked him that, do you know why I've given you the gold? So he said, I don't know, maybe it's some family ties that I don't know about. And Nabi Sallallahu said to him, بِحُسْنِ ثَنَائِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ Because of the beautiful way in which you praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how did he praise Allah? He said, يَا مَنْ لَا تَرَاهُ الْعُيُونَ وَلَا تُخَالِتُهُ الظُّنُونَ وَلَا يَصِفُهُ الْوَاصِفُونَ وَلَا تُغَيِّرُ الْحَوَارِثُ وَلَا يَخْشَ الدَّوَائِرُ يَعْلَمُ مَثَاقِلَ الْجِبَالِ وَمَكَائِلَ الْبِحَارِ وَعَدَدَ قَطْرِ الْأَمْطَارِ وَعَدَدَ وَرَقِ الْأَسْجَارِ Oh that being, eyeballs cannot encompass you. Imagination cannot fathom you. We cannot praise you as you ought to praise. You know the weight of the mountains and the measure of the water of the ocean. You know what is in the depths of the earth and what is above the seven heavens. No lay of the earth hides from you what is below that. No lay of the sky hides from you what is above that. La anta nafsik. We cannot praise you. Oh Allah, you are as you've praised yourself. When Nabi Sallallahu heard this praise of Allah, he then granted this Bedouin a gift. So the first way to soften our hearts is through the remembrance of Allah, through the recognition of Allah. And daily, you know, you have so many books on the 99 names of Allah. Take one of those names and read it. Allah is Al-Alim. Just look at it. Feel it. That the knowledge of Allah is encompassing me. As I am sitting here, Allah knows everything about me. And that is how you'll get that recognition of Allah which will soften your heart. The second way to soften the heart is through reflection of the noble Qur'an. The Qur'an has been revealed. Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal rahimahumullah said that I seen Allah Rabbul Izza in a dream. And I asked him, what is the best way to gain closeness to you, Ya Allah? 
And Allah Rabbul Izzat told Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal through the noble Quran. And Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal asked, Oh Allah, is it through reading with understanding or without understanding? And Allah Rabbul Izzat said, through reading with understanding and reading without understanding. Both ways. Why do you not reflect on the verses of the Noble Quran? Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu describes an incident that occurred. And he says on one occasion, I was sitting with Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, recite for me. And he said, oh no, Allah, the Quran was revealed to you. How can I recite to you? And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, I also like to listen to others recite the Noble Quran. So he asked, what should he read? So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, read Surah An-Nisa. So he started off, Ya and he continued reciting. And he was obviously looking down while he's reciting. And he read about 50 verses. And then he came to the verse. فَكَيْفَ إِذَا جِئْنَا مِنْ كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ بِشَهِيدٍ وَجِئْنَا بِكَ عَلَى هَاؤُلَاءِ شَهِيدًا This verse addresses Nabi Sallallahu And it paints a picture of Qiyamah Day. Where it speaks to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi says, O oh, Nabi of Allah, how will it be when a witness will be brought from every nation and you will be brought as witness against these people? And he's, Abdullah bin Mas'ud says, that when I came to this verse, Nabi Sallallahu said, Hasbuk, stop. And he says, when I looked up, فَإِذَا أَيْنَاهُ تَذْرِفَانِ The tears were rolling from the eyes of Nabi Sallallahu This was the effect of the verses of the Noble Quran. Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was such that Rajulun Bakkaan that whenever he would recite the Noble Quran he would tear profusely. Nafi narrates about Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu and he says that Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab used to like to read Surah Yusuf in the Isha and the Fajr Salah. And he says that when he's to come to the verse, that I complain of my condition to Allah. He say he would weep so profusely that you could hear his crying in the last of. Jubair ibn Mut'im. In fact, it was Abdullah bin Rawaha radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He says, in fact, it's narrated about him. He said that on one occasion, he was sitting with his wife. So, his head was on his wife's lap. So suddenly, he started tearing. So his wife also started tearing. So he asked his wife, why are you tearing? So she said, because I saw you tearing. 
know, they say that, uh, you know, what's the job of a wife? The job of a wife is to see when a husband is having fun and to put an end to that nonsense immediately. <laughs> but look at this wife. She said, because you're crying, so I'm crying. So you tell me why you're crying. That is the reason why I'm crying. So he said, the reason why I'm crying is, as I was laying here and relaxing with you, it came to my mind, the verse, وَإِن مِّنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا كَانَ عَلَىٰ رَبِّكَ حَطْمًا مَقْضِيًا Every one of you will have to pass over the bridge. And I just thought to myself, how will I make it over the bridge? That is what made me cry. So reciting the verses of the Quran in such a way that it moves our heart, that is the second way to soften our heart. The third way to soften our heart is to visit the terminally ill, to visit sick people. Hassan Basil went to visit someone who was in the pangs of death. And when he came back, it was supper time and he said, no, I'm not going to eat. He says, what I've seen has had such an effect on me that my appetite has been lost. So when you visit people that are going through difficult time, people who are terminally ill, it brings a sense of softness to our heart. But sometimes we take things for granted. Like there was an interview on the radio where this person or the interviewer, the person doing the interview was speaking to the interviewee and he said the person had a critical illness. So asked the person that, you know, how does it feel waking up every morning knowing that you're dying? So the person with a critical illness responded and said, how does it wake up every morning pretending that you're not? So we're all going down the same path. But when we visit those on a lower level, those who are sick, it brings a sense of softness to us. It makes us appreciate what we have. That is the third way to soften our heart. The fourth way to soften our heart, it is, and as in the hadith, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that if you'd like to achieve your objective and to soften your heart, then have mercy on an orphan and pass your hand over the head of an orphan. All your needs will be taken care of and your heart will become soft. So when you do that, then that is a means of softening the heart. And the, fourth way, or the fifth way to soften our heart, and that is to reflect on death and what happens after death. And this is an important part of the daily life of a believer. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that re- frequently remember that which destroys all pleasures. One lady came to say Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and said, Oh, Umul Mu'mineen, my heart is inattentive. What should I do? She said, remember death daily. And she came back after a while and she said, now this has had a profound impact upon me. And when we reflect on the scenes that will unfold after death, and we should do this, I have written different books, Shoke Watan, and other books that have been written where there's detailed accounts of what will happen after death, this is what will soften our hearts. On one occasion, Jibreel Amin comes to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he comes in such a way, mutaghayr al that his complexion has changed, he's perturbed. 
So Nabi Sallallahu asked Sayyidina Jibreel, what has happened? Why are you looking disturbed? He says, before I came to you, the stokers of Jahannam had been given instruction to stoke Jahannam and I witnessed that. And he says, anyone who believes in Jahannam, the reality of it, how can that person be at ease knowing that Jahannam is a reality? So Nabi Sallallahu said to Sayyidina Jibreel, Sifli Jahannam, describe Jahannam to me. And Sayyidina Jibreel said that Jahannam, the fire was lit. It was stoked for a thousand years. It became white. It was stoked for another thousand years. It became red. And then it was stoked for another thousand years and it became black. And now it is pitch black. And the condition of Jahannam is such that if the equivalent of the eye of a needle had to be exposed to this world, it will reduce the entire world to ash. And if a cloth of Jahannam had to be brought into this world, it will have such a foul smell that the world will become, become uninhabitable for the dwellers of this world. If a chain of Jahannam had to be put on a mountain, it will melt the mountain. Ka'aruhu shadid. There's a deep pit. The food of Jahannam is the thorny tree of Zakum. The drink is Hamim and Sadid. And Jibreel goes on describing it. And he comes to the point where he says that the people of Jahannam, those who are to be taken there, will be driven to Jahannam headlong. And they will be dragged face long. And they will be taken into Jahannam. The different stages of Jahannam. So when he says the different stages of Jahannam, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked Sayyidina Jibreel, that will there be different stages to Jahannam? What are the stages of Jahannam? So Sayyidina Jibreel explains and he says, Yes, O Nabi of Allah, there will be different stages to Jahannam. On the first stage, which is at the bottom, that is the stage which is known as Hawiyah. And that stage is for the people of Fir'aun. And the people who disbelieved when the tablecloth was brought down from amongst the people of the Ma'ira from the Banu Israel and the Munafiqeen. Then there is the second stage. This stage is known as Jahim. This stage is for the Mushrikeen. Then there is a third stage. The third stage is known as Lava. And the third stage is for the star worshippers. Then there's a fourth stage. The fourth stage is for Shaitan and his followers and the fire worshippers. And then there's a fifth stage. The fifth stage is for the Yahud. And this is known as Hutama. And the sixth stage, that is for the Christians. And this is known as Sayyid. And then Jibreel goes quiet. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Oh Jibreel, you said there's seven stages. Who is the seventh stage for? And with great difficulty, Jibreel responds and he says, It is from for those who have committed major sins from your Ummah, Nabi Allah.
and Nabi Sallallahu falls unconscious at that moment. Jibreel cradles the head of Nabi Sallallahu on his lap and Nabi Sallallahu grains his consciousness and he asks, Oh Jibreel, for who is the seventh stage? And Nabi Jibreel responds and says, Ahlul Kabair in Ummatik. Those who commit major sins and don't make tawbah from your ummah, they are the ones who will go to the seventh stage. Nabi Salsam starts to weep and Jibreel starts to weep. And they both weep. Jibreel then leaves. Nabi Salsam goes into his home. He continues crying and crying. For many days he comes out of the masjid. He performs his salah and he goes back to the home. He comes, performs, he doesn't speak to anyone. All he's doing is, comes to the masjid, performs his salah and goes home. After three days it becomes too difficult for Sayyidina Abu Bakr anhu. He comes to the home of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he greets, Assalamu Alaikum Ya Rasulullah. No response. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is in sajda, crying and crying. After realizing that there's no response, he goes back. Next, Sayyidina Umar comes. He greets. No response. He goes away, despondent. Thirdly, Sayyidina Salman comes. He greets. Tries to call out. No response. He goes to the home of Sayyidina Fatima. Ta'ala, and he says that this is the condition. The Nabi Sallallahu is not speaking to anyone. He's in the home. And we don't know what is his condition. So Sayyidah Fatima wraps herself in her chadar, in her cloak. She comes out. She comes to the home of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. She finds Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in sajda, weeping. And when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sees her, he asks, What is the matter of Fatima? And but looking at him, she says, Oh Nabi Allah, what is the matter with you? And Nabi Salaam explains and says that Jibreel has come to me. And he said that the seventh level of Jahannam has been reserved for the, the major sinners of my Ummah. So Sayyidah Fatima asked on the way of Allah, so describe to me what will happen to them. How will they be taken to Jahannam? And Nabi Salaam describes and he says that they will come on the day of Qiyamah. They will be taken in such a way that they will be dragged. But they, to the other Jahannamis, their faces will be black, their eyes will turn blue, and they will be shackled. Yet, my ummatis, this will not be happened to them. They will come to the door of Jahannam, and Malik, the angel of Jahannam, will ask them, Who are you? I don't recognize who are you. And they will say that we are those upon whom the Qur'an was revealed. So Malik will say to them that if the Qur'an was revealed to you, then why are you here? If the Qur'an was revealed to you, why are you here? And if the Qur'an was revealed to you, that means you are from the Ummah of Muhammad wasallam. And they will say yes, and just hearing the name of Nabi Sallallahu they will start to cry. Then, they will now, the instruction will be given to take them into Jahannam. 
And they will tell Malik that, Oh Malik, before taking us to Jahannam, give us a moment to cry. We want to cry. Do we want to lament on our condition? So Malik will say, cry. And they will start crying to such an extent that their tears will turn into blood. And they will cry their hearts out. And Malik will turn to them and say, Laukana fi dunya ma If these tears were only in the dunya, you would not be here now. Because a person who cries once out of the fear of Allah, لا the person who cries even once out of the fear of Allah will not enter into the fire of Jahannam. If this had to just occur once in the dunya, you would not find yourself here. So they will then, the angel will take them into Jahannam. And as they are taken into Jahannam, they will be reciting La ilaha illallah. And the fire will retract. And as they are reciting it, Malik will then instruct the fire to engulf them. The fire will say, how can I burn them when they are reciting the kalima la ilaha illallah? And Malik will instruct the fire that this is the command of Allah. You have to fulfill it. And the fire will start to burn them. And there will be those who will burn till their ankles. There will be those who will burn till their knees. There will be those who will burn till their hips. There will be those who will burn till the necks. Yet Malik will sell to the, instruct the fire, don't burn their faces and don't burn their hearts. Because they used to perform salah and they used to fast. So because of the salah, protect their face and because of the fasting, protect their heart. And they will remain like that. And while they in Jahannam, they will make dua and they will say, Ya Arhamar Rahimeen. Ya Hannan, Ya Mannan, Ya Arhamar Rahimeen, Ya Hannan, Ya Mannan. Oh, the most merciful, oh, the most compassionate, oh, the most forgiving. They will call out and call out, and ages will pass in this way, where they will continue to remain in that stage. Then Allah will call Jibreel and say, Oh, Jibreel, what is the condition of the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? And Jibreel will say, Allah, you know best. Allah will say, Oh Jibreel, go and check on them. What is their condition? So Jibreel will go to Jahannam. And as he's coming close to Jahannam, Malik, who's the angel in charge of Jahannam, will see Jibreel coming. And he is sitting on a throne of fire in the center of Jahannam. And when he sees Jibreel coming, he will no, he knows this is Jibreel, so he stands up as honor for Jibreel. And when Jibreel comes closer to him, Jibreel greets him. And then Jibreel asks, What is the condition of the Ummah of Muhammad? And Malik will say, Very bad. Very bad. The skin has been scorched. The skin has been devoured by the fire. They've been burnt. So Jibreel will say, can I see them? So Malik will say yes. And Malik will open the lid of Jahannam. And as the lid of Jahannam is being opened, they will, the people of Jahannam will look on and they will see this angel that has come, Jibreel. And immediately they know that this is not an ordinary angel. 
from the celestial light. So they will ask, who is this? And it will be told to them, this is Jibreel, the angel who brought wahi to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when they just hear the words, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, tears will flow from their eyes and they'll start to weep. And then they will say, O oh Jibreel, minna ila nabiyina sallallahu alayhi wasallam salam. O oh Jibreel, convey our salam to our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And tell him about our condition that Jahannam has devoured us. And Jibreel will then leave Jahannam and go back to Allah. And Allah will ask, what have you seen? He says, I've seen this and this and this is their condition. And Allah will then ask, did they give any message? And they said, yes, they sent salam for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Allah will say to Jibreel, that go to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and convey the salam and update him on the condition of his ummah. So Jibreel will go to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and you will find Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam in a palace of pearls that will have multiple portals and Jibreel will greet Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he will convey the message that your ummatis have conveyed salam to you. And they're saying their condition is very bad. Intercede on their behalf. And Jibreel will go, well, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi then will go forth and he will come before the Arsh of Allah and he will make sajda. And he will praise Allah and he will load the praises. And he says, I will praise Allah in such a way that I do not know the praises that I will utter at that time at this moment. And he will utter those praises at that time. And then Allah will say, O oh Muhammad, lift your head up. Come out of sajda. That intercede, your intercession will be accepted. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam will say, My ummah is in Jahannam. Allah will say, Go and take them out. And the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam will go to Jahannam. And all those who had recited the kalima la ilaha illallah will be taken out of Jahannam by the Messenger وسلم, Those who had even the slightest flicker of iman in their heart, one by one will be taken out by the Messenger And they would have been burnt like a coal, their flesh devoured. They will then be taken to the river of Ridwan where they will be bathed and they will be given a new complexion, a new body, and they will then be taken to Jannah. It will then be announced that death will take a form of a ram and it will be said that death will now die. And it will be said to the people of Jahannam, Khuludun, eternity, this is where you remain. It will be said to the Jannah, Khuludun, eternity, you will continue enjoying this. And at that time, the people of Jahannam will remain and see how Nabi Wasallam had taken the mu'mineen out of Jahannam. They will wish at that time that they were mu'mineen also. And Allah Rabbul Izzah says, رُبَمَا يَوَدُّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَوْ كَانُوا مُسْلِمِينَ they, they will wish at that time that they were believers, but it will be of no avail.
So when we reflect on these scenes of the Akhirah, and it should be a daily occurrence, that we picture ourselves as though we are lying down, and that our soul has departed, how the news is breaking amongst our family members, now there's announcement that we need to make arrangement for the ghusl. Now they're taking me towards the ghusl khana. Now they're washing me. They're clothing me with the kafan. Now I'm being taken to the qabristan. I'm being put into the lahad. Now the sand is coming upon me. Now the cupboard is closed. Now the angels are here. They're questioning me. How am I answering to them? All of these scenes need to be brought alive in our minds on a daily basis. This is what will soften our hearts. This is what will create a tajafi an dar al-khulud wal inabatu ila dar al-khulud wal isti'dad lil-mawt qabla nuzul That our hearts turn away from the abode of deception, this world, and that it turn towards the abode of the akhirah and that we prepare for death before it comes upon us. Every day, the Qabr calls out, Yabna Adam, Tamshi alayya wa tasiru ilayya. Today you walk upon me, tomorrow you will be in me. O son of Adam, Ta'kulu al-alwan al-yawm wa ta'kulu al-didan ghadan. Today you're eating different delicacies of food, tomorrow the worms of the Qabr will devour your body. O son of Adam, today you are celebrating here on the earth. Tomorrow you will be grieving in the grave. O son of Adam, today you are laughing. Tomorrow in the grave you will be crying. O son of Adam, today you sin on my back. Tomorrow you will be punished for that sin in my belly. This is the call of the grave every day. So therefore... We should visit the Qabristan. Alhamdulillah. Such proximity you have here. Not only when there's a janaza, then we go. We need to take time out on a daily basis that you sit by the Qabr and you reflect on the realities of life after death. And that is what will bring the difference in our lives. This night that we have, it is a night to turn to Allah. It is a night in which we should make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Rajab al-Hambali rahimahullah said, Yambaghi lil-rajul ayatafarraga lidduai wa dhikrillahi. That on this night a person should free themselves for the dhikr of Allah and to make dua. And before engaging in that, one should make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَتُوبُ عَلَى مَنْ تَابُ That Allah Rabbul Izzah will forgive the person who makes tawbah. In a hadith it comes, Yabna Adam, Ma da'awtani wa rajawtani ghafartu laka walan ubali. O son of Adam, as long as you have hope in me and you turn to me, I will forgive you and it doesn't mean anything to me. O son of Adam, if you come to me with sins filling the skies up, I will come to you with forgiveness equivalent to that. And Tawbah just takes a moment that we turn the direction of our hearts. That we turn that from today, I will change the direction of my heart. So as we've been speaking about, we've spoken about the fact that there are different hearts. A dead heart, a sick heart, a hard heart, 
and a soft heart. What causes a heart to be hard is sins, long aspirations of the dunya and the desire for entertainment. What we need is a soft heart. And how do we attain a soft heart? Through the recognition of Allah. Through reflecting on the verses of the Noble Quran. Opening up a passage in the Mariful Quran, the illuminating discourses. Looking at the meaning and listening to a recitation. It will have an impact. Visiting the terminally ill. Rubbing your hand over the head of an orphan. Visiting the Kabristan and reflecting on life after death. That is what will soften our hearts. May Allah Rabbul Izzah grant us that our hearts become soft. May Allah give us the ability to make complete tawbah on this evening. Someone said that if you look at it, our tongue and our hearts do not have any bone in it. And the reason for that is that we ought to keep it soft. May Allah Rabbul Izzah grant us soft hearts that are responsive to Him. Wa akhir da'wana. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.